0: Have you ever dreamt of something and you thought, ah, oh, that's just too good to be true? <laughs> uh, you, your, your expectation, you want to elevate your expectation or your hope or whatever that is to the highest level, but there's just like this voice that just says, now, now that's too good to be true. So you stop dreaming, you stop imagining whatever that is, and you can fill in the blank. You stop looking forward sometimes to whole chunks of life because too good to be true. I remember my first car. I've had a lot of things that were too good to be true, but my first car, and if you remember your first car, doesn't matter what it is, it's like, It's a car, (laughs) and I need a car. And and my first car was a 66 Dodge Coronet. It was army green, like dark green. It was full of rust. It was honestly a rust bucket. I remember I took a girl out in that, and she was way above where I was batting. She was, you know, I was punching above my weight with this girl, And, uh, and, and somebody had smashed into the side door of the car, Uh, on the driver's side so I couldn't open the driver's side of the car so to let this girl in on the date and she didn't realize that the car was smashed on the driver's side uh, I had to go around open her door she thought oh what a gentleman and then I had to slide in it had bench seats in it I had to slide across so I wasn't let getting you know being a gentleman I was just I had to get in the car so I had to explain that to her and and then took her to the movies and uh it was February in Michigan it was freezing cold and I always knew the car doesn't start like I can drive I can get it somebody'll jump me I'll get there uh, jump start the car and then but then I'm gonna have to get a jump start <laughs> wherever I'm at so I'm thinking through the movie I'm thinking okay I've got to look around in the parking lot I've got to find somebody getting into their car I don't want this poor girl to stand out in the cold with me freezing in the middle of February um, So, you know, came time, we got in the car, I got in first, turned the key and went, (laughs) no start. Oh, no. Like, I knew it was going to happen, but I pretended like, what a surprise, the battery, (laughs) something's wrong with the battery. And uh, so, had to wait around, find somebody with some cables, get the car jump started. And, uh, you know, it was a nightmare, but it was my first car, and it was too good to be True now I look back and I think, too nasty to be true. <laughs> my second car, the second car was a too good to be true. It was a 66 again, 66 Ford Mustang, fire engine red. It was a beauty. And, uh, but you know what, thinking about that car, and, I, and my boss actually liked me so much where I was working that he said, I've got somebody that's got a 66 Ford Mustang you think you'd be interested in that? I'm like, yeah, but a way out of my, I can't afford that. And I said, I'll help you out. And uh, when he he brought that to work and said, this is yours, here's the keys, uh, I was like, that's just so far too good to be true. That was my dream car. And it happened. Then my third car was a fairly new car. My first new car was a '77 Dodge Charger, white with two-tone. It had a burgundy um, top on it. Uh, had crushed velour interior. It was like it was a pimp mobile, man. It was like it was so cool. It had like everything going for it that they had back in that that year. Way too good to be true. And I remember when I looked at it on the car yard on the on the lot, and um, and and I, I was. T- talking to the car dealer about what I wanted. He said, well, we've got this car here. And I, immediately, too good to be true. But I was able to get that car and uh, and take it off the yard. And I was like, this is so, so good. All of my too good to be trues when I met my wife. I was desperate, man. No, sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Uh, no. I, I wanted, let me put it... Th- I wanted to get married. That's what I meant. I was I really wanted to get married. I was I was lonely and uh, and, and when I saw her for the first time, you know, knowing I want to get married, I looked at her and I went, too good to be true. And then when uh we had our first child, first and only, same thing. Gonna have a son, too good to be true. How many things in life, seriously, are just too good to be true, but then they happen, and they are true. And so many things of God are like that. For honest, we think about the promises of God, in fact, the gospel, which means good news. If it's not true, it's not good news. As Trump would say, it's fake news. <laughs> if it's not true, it's not good. But I think about Salvation! What a great salvation that we have. I, I think about healing, uh, uh, you know, after we pray for people that are sick. Too good to be true. No, if it's true, it's true. If it's not true, it's not true. In 1543, before 1543, people pretty well believed in a geocentric solar system. In other words, the earth is the center of the solar system. Copernicus came along, and he had developed this theory. Now it's fact, but it was a theory for a few decades before that. In the year that he died, 1543, Copernicus published his his document that the sun is the center of the solar system. Sorry if you still think the earth is the center. Uh, it's news. It's 500-year-old news. But, uh, you know, the sun is the center. Question, when did the sun all of a sudden become the center of the solar system? Was it in 1543? (laughs) Was the earth the center of the solar system until 1543? No, the sun always was the center of the solar system. They just hadn't discovered it yet, but it was true all the way up until that time. Now, herein is one of the problems that I see and challenges when it comes to believing the promises of God, which are yes and amen. We tend to think that the intensity of our faith is going to make something true or not. The intensity of your believing something doesn't change it. If it's not true, you can intensely believe in something that's not true, and it's still not true. Or you can intensely believe in something that is true, but it was always true. Your your belief didn't change anything. The intensity of of your belief (laughs) doesn't change a thing. True is true all the time. Something that's not true is not true all the time, whether you believe it or not. Where, where, Where we come in with faith is it's the journey from too good to be true, but it either is or it isn't, to the realization of that or the appropriation, if you will, the obtaining that promise, that that journey is called faith. Faith takes us from too good to be true to fact, I've got it in my life. That that space, that journey is called your walk of faith. So when we look at too good to be true. And we're going to look this morning at at the word grace again. We've done a whole series pretty well uh, on the vision of City Church, uh, which is grace the nations. Uh, so I thought rather than just move off quickly off of grace, I thought I'll do one, just a message on, uh, and I've called it never too good to be true. And it really is around this word grace. God given us the ability to do what we can't do or God's unmerited favor which we didn't earn. I find there's basically two reasons, two two broad reasons on why people have trouble with grace and they kind of put grace in the too good to be true basket or uh, it runs out so to speak. And one of them is that they don't feel that they need grace as long as they're good. So until my good kicks in, I need grace. I need God to forgive me, because that's the broad definition for most people when it's amazing grace or grace, it's, it's forgiveness. No, forgiveness is forgiveness. It's part of grace, but it's not the whole thing. And until, until their good kicks in, they need grace. But as soon as they're good enough, this is the mindset as long as they're good enough, they don't need grace. You need grace because you're really bad. I don't need grace because I'm pretty good. So they discount the grace of God and the, and, and, and the grace of God stays too good to be true when I don't need it to be true. The second, uh, I believe, main reason why people don't see the grace of God as something that is true all the time, regardless, is they don't feel they're good enough for grace. So therefore, they can't receive because I'm just not good enough. You, you don't understand, Pastor Ed, where I've been, and you don't know what I'm up to and how, how often I sin and how fall sh- I fall so short. I, I'm not even worthy to to come boldly to a throne of grace in time. I'm not worthy to do that. And so their self-esteem and their identity pulls them down out of the range of receiving this unmerited favor or God's ability that he wants to give them to do what they can't do in a whole lot of areas, not just receiving forgiveness. It's by grace that we're saved, and we'll look at that scripture in a moment, but it's also by grace that we breathe. (laughs) It's by grace that we move. It's by grace that pretty well everything, grace is the unmerited favor. It's the gift uh, of God. Everything we have. Is a gift. Life is a gift. But there's a common thing about every gift. It has to be received. God wants to give it. God's offered it. God's hand is here's here's the gift, salvation. Here's the gift, the good news, the gospel. Here's the gift, healing. Here's the gift, grace. Here's the gift, ability to overcome. Here's the gift you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Here, here's the gift, here's the promise. But if you can't receive it because you feel you're not worthy to receive it, in other words, you got to get your good up far enough to, to, to receive something that God wants to give you. His hand is out there. If that's your mentality or your persuasion, then you're never going to receive this grace. So, so the question becomes, and there are a lot of arguments on this one. There's whole theologies that are built on it, uh, hyper grace and everything else, uh, theologies, and, and, and the, the argument is that, well, you know, grace runs, grace is true to an extent, but then now uh, it's you and your track record or your obedience that's going to determine it from that point on. In other words, your goodness gets into the equation of God's goodness. Now, I want to go, and uh, I want to look, I'm not going to look at a whole lot of scriptures this morning, but I really want to look at grace is never too good to be true. So we're taught if something's too good to be true, it's because it is. But is that statement itself true? No, because it's, 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 it's either true or, or it's not true. Never be afraid of the truth. Somebody says, don't don't let a good story get in the way of the truth. Well, don't let anything get in the way of the truth. Something's true or it's not true, and it's up to us to discern that. Um, But truth is beyond your belief. I was going to call this message Beyond Your Belief, because it's not your belief that makes it true or not true. It either is or it isn't. The promises of God are true, not because you believe them, but you appropriate them because you believe them, but it doesn't make them true or not true. It's not based upon that. True is true all the time. So how far does grace go before it's no longer true? And is the grace of God ever too good to be true? That's one of the big questions I want to answer this morning, because if you don't see yourself worthy to receive it, then condemnation sets in. And if you see yourself as too good to really need the grace of God, well, then pride and self-righteousness follows behind that. So grace is determined not by your goodness, but by God's goodness and God's goodness alone. Now, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, here's a trustworthy saying, that deserves full acceptance. That's a big statement from Paul, isn't it? This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. This one here shook me. When I read it, I'm like, I I was jolted. I was like, what? When it hit my brain, my brain just, this doesn't make sense at all. But I found this, and this is a throwaway for you, that whenever something doesn't make sense, whenever it challenges you or it doesn't look like it lines up or whatever, whatever, stay on God's path, seek God out, you'll get the biggest revelations I've ever received were from things that just hit my brain and my brain rejected it. And this is what he says. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We all know that. And then Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Of whom I am, not I was. We know that he was. He persecuted Christians and was guilty of a whole lot of things. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. How, How could Paul be the worst? Paul kept the law. He says, according to the law, I'm blameless. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He gives his track record in Philippians 4. He, he, he talks about how good he was under the law at keeping the ten, not just the Ten Commandments, but all the breakdown that, that they had, the Pentateuch and everything else. He says, I am the worst of sinners. How could you be the worst of sinners? See, the worst sinner is the one who believes his, his good deeds make him right with God. I'll say that again. The worst sinner is the one who believes his good deeds make him right with God. In other words, Paul was so good at being good that he was the best <laughs> at being bad. This is going to take a while for you. you got to process it. I know you're thinking. I can. I can hear your brains going. What does he mean? He was so good at being good, that he was really the best at being bad because grace doesn't operate according to your good. It operates according to God's good. He was guilty of the worst sin of all, which is the one that doesn't need grace. It's self-righteousness or pride. So many people are too good to need grace because they haven't met good himself. That's why people ask, and I heard this recently. A friend of mine shared this, and and I thought, wow. They asked, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever heard that? Why do bad things happen to good people? Okay, and the answer is this. That only happened once. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. Some don't. There was only one good. Only one, ever. When, the, when um, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and, and he says, good, te- good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you don't inherit something by doing something. It's like right, grace is a gift. You, you can't do anything to get it. You just have to receive it. And inheritance is based upon receiving, not working. Well, good, good teacher, what must I do? to inherit. And Jesus looked at him and he said, why do you call me good? He's challenging him. He is good. There's only one good and that's God. In other words, if you're going to call me good, you better acknowledge who you're talking to. There's only one good and that's God. Why Why do bad things happen to good people? It only happened once. It happened to Jesus, the only good person that's ever walked on planet Earth, the only good person to ever walk on this planet. Bad things happened to him. He went to the cross. That's only happened once. Everybody else is not that good. Bad things happen to people, but only once has has something bad happened to a truly good person. That'll, that'll cause your uh, discussion to go in another direction if somebody asks you that, if you're looking for a segue into sharing the gospel, which means good news. Because people do ask that question. So Paul's goodness was actually his filth. One man sinned, one man made it right, and that man was not any of us. Romans 5:17. Let's look at this. We'll look at a few scriptures here. We're going to have communion at the end of this. Romans 5. For if by the trespass of one man, that's Jesus, sorry, Adam rather, if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant, I love the wording here, abundant provision of grace, not not too good to be true, not grace that's going to run out on on us, not grace that's only going to cover us to a certain point. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, not self-righteousness going to work it up, your track record. It's a gift. You can't do anything except say, thank you, the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Boom. The law was brought in, verse 20, so that the trespass might increase. In other words, the law shows you just how far you've missed it. That's the schoolteacher. The law is called the school teacher. It's like... It's there to instruct you, you you aren't good. Let's just split hairs, and let's go into how how not good you really are. Let's just take those Ten Commandments, and let's just break them down there, and and, uh, let's expand this whole thing, and you will see you are not good enough. Everybody, only one that was. The law was brought in so the trespass might increase. Where sin increased... Grace increased all the more. In other words, as you become more aware of just how much you miss the mark and just how sinful, because that's what hamarte sin means, to miss the mark, just how how bad even your goodness is. (laughs) When you realize that, all of a sudden you know. I need grace from A to Z. I need grace from the beginning to the end. I need grace even when I think I'm doing good. And when I'm good, I need God's unmerited favor, God's ability to flow into me even when I'm having a good day. Oh, the grace of God. It doesn't run out. So the law was brought that the trespass might increase. In verse 21, so that just as sin reigned in death, also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ. Statement We all have many sins and many good deeds. Our many good deeds don't make our many sins go away. (laughs) I think that'll go up. If not, write it down. I thought it was good. It's God's act alone of grace and righteousness that did what nobody could do. Ephesians 4, familiar passage, verse 2, Ephesians 2, rather, verse 4 to 10. But because of his great love, and we know that his love doesn't run out, it's inexhaustible, for God, for us, God who is rich in mercy, I love this, great love, rich in mercy, has made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in trespasses, It is by grace you have been saved. We know that. What about after that? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Talk about a good to be true about you, but it's like me? He raised me up to sit with Jesus in the heavenly places? That's what he says in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. It's not just I was a sinner, uh, hooked on drugs or whatever I was into, and I got saved, and grace did that. Now, you know, all good. Uh, uh, As long as I'm good, I don't need. No, no. That he might show you the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We yeah, are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which Christ prepared in advance for us to do. Grace always looks too good to be true. I think about the woman at the well. Jesus encounters this woman and uh, sits down. It's just him having a conversation with her. And she discerns he's a prophet. He starts to read her news, tells her, look, you know, where's your husband? And, ask, and no, uh, he's not here. Yeah, you're right. You've been married not just once, but whatever it was, five times. And uh, And then he gives grace to this woman. He shares things with this woman. She goes back into the village, tells everybody, you got to come and hear this prophet. It was grace that awakened her, not condemnation. I think of the woman caught in adultery. Uh, He kneels down, gets in the dirt, writes something down in there. Nobody can stone her because they all know they're righteous according to the law, but they're not right. It's only grace. I think about my own life, and I know from whence I came, and I hope I hope that you sometimes do, like like I do frequently, I just go, thank you, God, for everything I had that looked like it was just too good to be true, that, that now, because it was true, came into my life and flowed into my life. And for things that I know, I'm still believing for the dreams, the aspirations. City Church was one of those things. I, I I'd never, ever want to just take anything for granted that God has given me, but, t- but taking stock and just saying, thank you. Thank you for what was what looked too good to be true, what seemed too good to be true. All, all of the things in your life, if you have family, if you've got a house, a car, some kind of bicycle, I, you know, whatever that is, health, if you've been healed, like all of these things, just to stop and go, thank you, God, so much because there was a point in my life where that was too good to be true. And then I go on to the promises of God, things that that have ignited a dream and things that have ignited hope on the inside of my heart that I'm looking at now thinking, that's impossible. That's just too good to be true. But if it's God sent and it's God breathed and it's a promise of God and God will show you things and speak to you through uh, giving you promise uh, a preferable future, and let you imagine things and see things. Then, you start to go, "Well, God, you did it before. I believe that's true, and I think that right now I can move toward that confidently and receive that that journey of faith, receiving that on the journey, not denying it and stepping back and and, and discounting it and, and 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 thinking that you're being humble by." putting yourself down or somehow lowering yourself, but stepping up and going, okay, you, you did it before. It's out there. It's out there because it's out there. It's true because it's true. I'm going to go after that now and believe, believe you, God, I'm going to receive that. So God, so God's, God's given us, and all through the Bible, you'll just see so many examples that love has no limits, grace has no limits, God's mercy doesn't run out. Hebrews 10, 29, how much more severely, because people sometimes trample on, on, on God's grace, I get that. He says, how much more severely do you think some, someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who's treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, who has insulted the spirit of grace? You can insult the spirit of grace by just thinking somehow your works or even your obedience, which is a good thing, good works do follow, but by thinking that somehow that that is going to be what causes something to be true that you think is too good to be true. Psalm 78, 41, listen to this. Yes, again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of His. How do you limit how do you limit God? The omnipotent one. Omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful. How, how do you limit God? See, God's not limited, but we limit God. We limit God's ability to do something in our life by declaring that it's too good to be true, by dropping the dream. By letting something else get in and fill our mind and our imagination that's dark and foreboding and woe is me and I'm not good enough or I'm too good, either way. We limit God's ability because we, we, we cut off so to speak we stop his hand from reaching forward into our life and and gracing us and giving us ability beyond our ability and, and giving us favor beyond our natural favor we limit God the holy one of Israel the unlimited God grace never runs out on us we run out on grace Grace will never run out on you, never. God's grace is unlimited, always for you, always flowing, so to speak, always moving toward you. Grace never runs out. Grace is never too good to be true, because it's true. The only limitation seriously is in you it never runs out it always runs in grace always runs in never out he loved us when he, when we didn't deserve it and all that he asked us to do is extend that to other people love others when they don't deserve it that's grace forgive our enemies that's grace if you have a problem giving grace, you probably have a receiving, uh, a receiving problem as well. Freely you have received, freely give, Jesus said. But if you feel that you have to earn it, anything from forgiveness or any of the promises of God, then you've missed the point of what grace is all about. Grace is never too good to be true, but always beyond your belief. Grace is always beyond your belief, because it's true whether you believe it or not, but receiving it, receiving grace, that's where we have to go when we don't want something to be too good to be true. Would you surrender today to the grip of grace? I hope so. Sometimes we think surrendering to God, oh, I don't want to surrender. It's This is like terrible and all the rest. Surrender to God is like laying down. Everything that would limit God doing something amazing in your life—that's a beautiful thing. It's why we worship God. We lift our hands up and, and sing to God, and just you know, I surrender. It's an old song. I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. You know, I surrender all. You know, what's the all that you got to surrender? Well, self. I surrender it. It's 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 true. It's there it's a truth. Like the sun is the center of the solar system. It's tr- It's truth. So when I surrender anything contrary to that, any opinion that I have, anything I've been taught, I got to surrender that, throw it down, let it go. Just say yes to Jesus. He's good all the time. Somebody said all the time, God is good. Grace never runs out, always runs in. Grace, God's grace is always moving toward you. It doesn't run out. Only you can run out. I want to pray, and then we're going, to, um, we're going to have communion. And what this represents really is the grace of God. We're receiving what he did in his body on the cross. His blood was shed for you, not to cover your sin, but to wash it clean. His body was broken so that you could be made whole. It's all about grace, all of it. Never too good to be true, never. Grace is true, always. If you're here and you haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you haven't received that grace from God, he wants to meet you where you're at, And it's as simple as saying yes and receiving the gift of God's son. So I'm going to give you a chance in a moment just to pray after me and receive God's free gift, his son's salvation. And let him be the Lord of your life. Let him be over your life and move through you and surrender to him. If you want to do that now, I'd love to pray for you. So let's just pray together. Whether you've prayed this prayer before or not, we'll just pray this together with you if you want to receive him. Say, dear God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to take my place in all of my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city church.net or email us your feedback at infocity at church.net.